Welcome to This is the Pits with Chelsea and Michael. I'm Michael Oberst. And I'm Chelsea Greenwood, and you're listening to our very first episode. I can't believe we're actually doing this. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I think we should start by talking about why we are doing this. Okay, so first of all, let's mention that we are not huge Brad Pitt fans. This is not a mm-hmm. podcast for Brad Pitt fans. Right. That being said, even though nobody thinks of themselves as a Brad Pitt fan, the thing is, at some point or another, we have all loved him in something. And chances are you've probably hated him in something as well. Right. Or just hate him in general. <laughs> yeah, you might. Oh, my God. What an interesting thing to tune into this podcast being a hater of Brad Pitt. Which I would fully do. I would completely listen to a podcast about someone that I hate because I can't help it. And I'll tell you something. He has a 30-year career, so there is some garbage that we're going to slog through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, even though it feels like we've seen him in a million things, we've both only seen him in less than 20% of all the movies he's been in for the last 30 years. Yes, he has a massive career. And it's been so influential. Right. Um, This whole podcast is more so about what a force of cultural gravity Brad Pitt is and how much of pop culture is a direct result of something that he did. Yes, and he's still so fucking relevant. Right. Um, also, if you aren't into cussing, then this podcast probably is not for you because we will be cussing a lot. So fuck you. <laughs> and fuck your mother too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so here's the thing. There aren't not a lot, there aren't not a lot of movie stars who are like him anymore. People don't really do that thing where they just move to LA with no movie experience and just hope for the best um, with stars in their eyes and all that stuff. It's like you have a YouTube channel, you have a thing, you got a gag, you got Twitter followers, and so you don't need anybody. But that's, I mean, Brad Pitt didn't do that. 100%. I'd say he's one of the last big traditional movie stars who is also recognizable on an international level. Yeah, traditional in the sense that he came from a little teeny tiny town in Oklahoma, moved to Hollywood with big old stars in his eyes, um, and like just did the thing. And, um, and did it better think- than anyone's ever done it. Right. Let's actually let's just uh, you give him a little bit of background really quick. Okay, great. Um, so, Brad Pitt was named born William <gasps> Bradley Pitt on December eighteenth, nineteen sixty-three, in Shawnee, Oklahoma. His dad William and his mom Jane were really cute. She's a teacher. He's a trucker. Like, couldn't be more American. Two Dream. peas in a pod. Yeah. Two peas in a pod. Cast. Eventually, <laughs> I didn't like that. Eventually, he went to college at the University of Missouri, where he dropped out two credits short of graduating to pursue an acting career in California. Look at him go. Um, pretty bold move, if you ask me. Um, I love that when he first got here, he drove strippers around in limos, um, which everywhere that I read that fun fact felt the need to specify that it was strippers that he was driving around. I feel like strippers don't ride in limos. Or I guess maybe they, they do. They did in the 90s, let me tell you that much. Late 80s, early 90s. You know a lot about stripper culture in the 90s? I'll tell you what. Talk to my mom. Just kidding, mom. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Once again, fuck your mother. Um, um, anyway, so yeah, he drove strippers around in limos. When he first got here, he worked at El Pollo Loco as one of the chicken... Chicken costume. No, 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 no. My goodness. Let me tell you, Michael. Imagine a Brad Pitt movie about Brad Pitt's life where he is in that chicken costume and I'm weirdly attracted to the man in the chicken costume. Like Yeah, he would look Gorgina. He would look Gorgina in the in the chicken costume. And I would then wanna would that make me a furry? 
Oh, I guess so. I guess if a chicken is Big Bird a furry, we're not oh, going to get into it. Oh, Big Bird is a furry. Anyway, this is not really? a se- this is not a fetish podcast. This is a Brad no, Pitt podcast. Well, in a way, maybe it is a fetish podcast. <laughs> it might become one. <laughs> Once again, we're not Brad Pitt fans. Um, <laughs> Which we will say every single episode for the rest of time. In order to prove that we're not, we're just going to say it a bunch. Exactly. Um, didn't work for the gayness, but it might work for this. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, um, okay, so he gets here. He draws strippers in the most El Pollo Loco chicken costume guy, and then he gets some background actor work on a few movies, one of which was Less Than Zero, um, and then also some bit parts on TV shows. Yeah, he was on Dallas and 21 Jump Street, and he was on 21 Jump Street with Johnny Depp, which is so wild to watch these two like fledgling little stars acting yeah, together. Yeah, awesome. Babies. And I think that Johnny Depp is a really interesting thing compared to Brad Pitt because he was doing good, man. They were on the same track. They were like equally famous. And then at some point around Pirates of the Caribbean, Johnny Depp fell off and Brad Kipp kept on trucking. Yeah. I mean, Johnny Depp is still kind of a megastar, but it's just, it's, it's different. You're right. It's kind of hard to like really, that's a longer conversation that we're not going to do right now but it's totally true and i think we should definitely get into that it just speaks um, to brad's career is all i'm saying like he yeah, kept on trucking right and how like something like a couple of small missteps like i think a lot of brad pitt's career is a little lucky like absolutely anyway um so he did 21 jump street he was in like a flashball commercial which is like crazy 80s and it's weird that seeing brad pitt in something that looks like cheap and weird like that yeah teenage brad pitt but anyway, we're going to skip all of the TV stuff except for one made-for-TV movie and just go straight to the movies um, because right. we want to chronicle his career through his movies, not his television work, obviously. Correct. So the way we're going to do it is we're going to go through his career movie by movie, all 75-ish, starting from the beginning, and then talk about how Brad Pitt became attached to the movie and then analyze the context of Brad's life and the aftermath of him being in that movie. Right, except for this episode, we're going to start a couple movies in with Thelma and Louise because it's a fucking banger of a movie, and it's the thing that put mm. him on the map. Right. Um, so we're going to do that, and then we're going to go backwards a little bit, and then we're going to go onwards from there. And we're going to be t- detailing... No. We're going to be discussing each film in detail, so it is Spoiler City. Spoiler you, City, USA. If you don't want to go to Spoiler City... Take the train out of Spoiler City, watch the film we're talking about, and then take the train back into Spoiler City and discuss with us. Right. And if you're not going to watch the movie, but you don't want to hear spoilers, then just don't listen. But also, please listen. Yeah, everybody listen and tell your friends to listen, too. (laughs) Anyway, so we'll announce uh, the movie that we're going to watch for next week's episode on our Instagram and Twitter so you can get ahead and be ready when the episode comes out um, and watch it with us or listen with us. Cool. So, um... Let's play you episode one, Thelma and Louise. Whoop, whoop. It's the pits. All right. I think what excited me about this podcast was um, it is, he is so um, interesting in that uh, as an actor and the movies that he's picked, he has picked really great movies historically. As a gossip podcast, as a cultural podcast, I mean, we can cover so much just by having him be the centerpiece. I mean, we're going to go through relationships. We're going to go through divorces. We're going to go through directors. We're going to go through wars. (laughs) Presidents. It's almost like we're experiencing Brad Pitt as the world experienced him. (laughs) That's exactly right. And I think Thelma and Louise is a really great place to start because 
1991, the year it came out. Very interesting year. Michael, how old were you in 1991? Were you even born yet? I wasn't born yet. You son of a I'm bitch. a little baby. <laughs> you <laughs> weren't know. even born yet. No, uh. I, was, I, was, I wasn't even like, I, not only was I not conceived, but the idea of me wasn't conceived yet. When, when were you born? 1993. You stupid son of a bitch. Okay, well, I was five <laughs> years old. Okay. Um, All right. I'm just going to give you a little, I want to set the stage for Thelma and Lee's, the way that the world is at the time. Okay. We're also, we're also going to have to talk about, I mean, like how our moms felt about Brad Pitt because our oh moms God. for sure had strong opinions My about Brad Pitt. My mom is, continues to have strong feelings about Brad Pitt. Yeah. And it's because for us, we grew up with him as like being like the hot guy that like we look, we think about like when we're young, we're like, oh, hot, hot Hollywood person is Brad Pitt. But like for them, it was like, look at this up and comer, you know, especially from Thelma and Louise. Sorry. So tell me about 1991, though. Wait, no, I think it would be interesting. I'm going to make a little note here. I wonder how many times he had, he's been on People's Sexiest Man of the Year. I bet he's been more than four times. Uh, oh, People Magazine? I yeah. think he's been, I want to say three times. I, I think because George Did Clooney you know? had a pretty good run there for a while. He did. And they, but... Um, He's another person who's interesting because he has, he, interestingly enough, about Thelma and Louise, he also was like a front runner for the role of JD in Thelma and Louise. I, and they have had side-by-side careers. And they have. then they did um, Ocean's Eleven together. We'll get there in, in, a, very, in a very long time. We're going to get yeah. there. It's going to be a long time till we till they cross paths again. <laughs> <laughs> George goes off and does ER. Brad Pitt makes his fucking sexiest debut ever. Yeah, it's it's a little bit insane. Um, so wait, but tell me about what's going on in 1991. Okay. You were five. Let, I was five years old. Uh, let me just set the stage here. Um, we had, um, well, I thought the most interesting thing was it was the end of the Cold War. It was the initial end of the Cold War. So the oh, Soviet like the Union, official end of the Cold War. Yeah, so like the world is like sort of like kind of ah, taking a deep breath from that. The Soviet Union is disbanding for the first time, which is crazy. Um, okay, so for I'm an I'm an idiot, and is <laughs> <laughs> did did we like win? No one won the Cold War, right? Like it no. just kind of happened. We had uh, like a treaty of something. I mean, I could read you all about it, but this is not a political podcast. This is a Brad Pitt podcast. Because if we won, then that sort of explains like, like an adi- another layer of like why Thelma and Louise would be great for America. Cause people are like, okay, America's still here and this is America. And we can kind of do whatever the fuck we want at that point. Yeah. And like, and women are like, and, and men are trash and we're women. No, that's what Thelma, Thelma and Louise did. Oh, well, well, we haven't even. There's so much. I know. It's really a lot to unpack. Sorry, um, I'm just going to give you a couple more facts because I think they're interesting compared to where we are now. Monthly rent okay. on average in the, in the United States was $495 a month. Ugh. The average income per year was $29,000. Is this adjusted? This isn't adjusted, right? Or this is just... Yeah, with a yearly inflation rate of 4.25%. So it's tw- the the average pay was twenty nine thousand dollars of today's money. Yes. The average. Oh my god! And yeah. rent was four hundred dollars. Yeah. 
And the average house to buy a home was seventy thousand dollars. <laughs> oh my god! So depressing. <laughs> so like, it's a long time ago. Even though I was alive, oh, I'm old. It makes me feel. Um, <laughs> like we didn't have the internet. I think there was, there was. Um, hold on, I have a thing here about how many people had computers. It was like not a lot of people had computers, um, and the internet was a brand new thing. We were a long way from. Yeah. I mean, the internet though back then okay. it like wasn't even dial up. Like, what the hell was it back then? Yeah, internet was made available to unrestricted commercial use, and there were one million people on the net in 1991. Oh, and it was called the net. And it was <laughs> called the net, the World Wide Web. Um, and that's pretty much it. Just setting the stage. People weren't really looking. The world was much um, less small as it is now. You know, like we were contained in America. We weren't seeing everything that was going on all the time. Mm. Right. It was a different time. It was a time of, um, you know, like big news stories were local news stories. Like that was what big news was back then. Exactly right. And get this, George H.W. Bush was president. Oh, the first right. George. We should probably mention that. Mm-hmm. He was president, and this is a movie about his fucking territories, Texas. Well, she didn't want to go to Texas. Anyway, that's the world stage. What? What? Like? What about like? And then okay. Um, I probably should have done this research beforehand, but I'm just trying to look at the biggest, the other big box office smash hits in 1991. Um, Who won the Oscar that year? Oh, that's a great question. But I know Terminator 2, Judgment Day. No way. Like, by a lot, is the number one biggest movie in 1991. Um, Along with Hook, City Slickers, Silence of the Lambs. I think Silence of the Lambs won Best Picture that year. I'm pretty sure Silence of the Lambs, like, swept the Oscars that year. Yeah. Where they won, like, every possible award. As they should. That was okay. So, nineteen ninety one was kind of like, like a good year for feminine movie. Silence of the Lambs is like one of the big first big movies that's like got the female gaze. And I might sound like an idiot saying that because I'm, I don't know that much about the female gaze in movies. You but have like, define the female gaze. Well, it's like movies that are like shot with as the lead, where the woman is a lead, and then, um, you know, you sort of experience the movie through the woman's perspective. So like. Like, for example, in Signs of the Lambs, how she always, like, all the men are always doubting her. And, like, she always, like, constantly has to, like, deal with these, like, passive-aggressive, like, little things. And, like, that was sort of a new concept for, like, a, a different way to watch a movie. And it's the same with Thelma and Louise, where, like, the women are not only the main characters, but, like, the one who you you are supposed to identify with. And even if you're a man, even if you're a straight man watching it like you still are rooting for them and like you get all of like when men are dicks to them you're just like oh yeah i get that you know what i mean well, like i think what my the biggest takeaway from thelma and louise like by far the biggest takeaway outside of the amazing filmmaking and the great story and like it's just i think a perfectly made film the takeaway is that like men fucking suck and women can't like Basically, they went on this whole journey because, like, they didn't think anyone would believe them. And it starts, like, the subtext is is that she 
was raped in Texas, right? You find out later. Yes. Yeah. Um, and literally every single male character that you meet, including Brad Pitt, who is introduced as this like stud, cute, innocent guy. Every single male character, except for the main policeman, is a fucking piece of shit. There's no male character that is good throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to, like, disagree with you and think of one, but I can't. I think you're right. They're all trash. The only one is the, is the cop who, tries to, who wants to save them, which is an interesting thing. I would actually argue that JD might be a better character for them than the cops. He, yeah, no he, way. Uh, he stole their money. He was good in that he liberated her sexually. Like, I mean, yeah, his, like that's why mainly. That's what I think about. Like in the span of her life, like good. I mean, his character is so interesting because he's literally there for to be a sex symbol. Like he pops up onto screen, and I don't care, gay, straight, by anything. Like you, it is undeniable how sexy he is. The yeah, the first oh. time you see him. Yeah, it's it's insane. And I mean, yeah. and also, okay, so now I'm going to tell you some fun facts about about the process of getting Brad Pitt on this movie because mm. it was just it's like kind of hilarious because he's so hot and it's insane because like <laughs> it's insane. I, I which feel is like we should which also, is Go ahead, go ahead. Which is another reason why we're doing this podcast because <laughs> he is literally the hot you forget because it, it was so long ago, but like he is literally the hottest person in the world in nineteen ninety one. I also and continues out, to be. Okay. I, I mean yes to that. And but I also feel like we should point out um that we are not like just Brad Pitt super fan. <laughs> yeah, that's very we need to make that very clear. Because we are like, not <laughs> it's, right now it sounds like we are. Because we're just talking this is just a podcast where we just say how hot Brad Pitt is. And the thing is, is it's just true. (laughs) Yeah, he is. And it's like, it's a good point. And it would, for sure, you could fill a podcast talking about how hot he is. Um, But, like, I just want to make it clear. Like, if he does a bad job, I'm going to say he's doing a bad job. 100%. This happens to be a great one. In this this movie, he's great. (laughs) No, he's, and and he's supposed to be hot. Like, he's supposed to be in the movie, and he's good at it. Well, that's the thing is like, he's great at being hot. He fulfills the role he needs to play. He's still a piece of shit, but like you love him anyway. I know I wasn't, I mean, I was mad that he took the money, but I never hated him. Exactly. He's so good looking. I'm like, it's all right. Like immediately just him soaking wet in the rain. And like, he takes his shirt off. Oh my God. Like this, someone had the idea for Brokeback Mountain when they saw that scene. 100%. And so, okay, yes, we need to make it very clear. We are not super fans of Brad Pitt. We like him. We respect him. He's a great framework to talk about various things. Yeah. Um, He leads us through time in a really great way. And I think us specifically because we're both, like, millennials and, like, Brad Pitt's career. Yeah, he's always been there. And it's been a journey for him at the same time that we're growing up. So, like, for us, the memories of seeing him in these various movies, especially when we get a little bit more down the line and we have more memory things, for you and for me, um, me being alive, um, it'll have a, I think it... I know, I can't wait till the year you're born. (laughs) What's he in in the year you were born? I don't know, we'll see. Um, Okay, Um, wait. Okay. I want to tell you some things about him. Yes, because it's actually really <laughs> funny. So, first of all, George Clooney auditioned five times to play JD. And, oh, um, like, a, they had a lot of people 
um, who auditioned to play him. Like a lot of big names. I think Johnny Depp did too. Um, and like, I can't find the list right now, of course, but there's a, like a big long list of all these like super famous people who are now super famous who, um, also auditioned. Um, maybe I have it right here. No, I don't. Oh, but I have this really funny picture of, um, George Clooney as a, like when he auditioned. Um, anyway. Okay. So, uh, eventually, so when Brad Pitt comes into for the audition, um, Gina Davis, uh, was so nervous because he was so cute. She said like she, she couldn't do the audition because she was so like nervous around him. Um, and she was also the most stunning person on the planet, by the way. That's true. She was also beautiful. Like Gina Davis was also considered for both roles. Um, like she didn't make sense. She didn't want to play, um, Louise. Susan Sarandon was Louise, right? Yeah. Is that the Louise? Yeah. Okay. She, yeah. she didn't want to play Louise, but um, they couldn't find someone to play Louise until like Susan Sarandon got signed on after they already like started production. No, they didn't. So, someone, some, someone started after they started production. <laughs> anyway, um, Brad Pitt got paid $6,000 for his work. No. Uh, yeah. Wow. American dollars. Uh, uh, then the other funny thing that, the like my favorite thing about this was that Brad Pitt, um, <laughs> like when they had the sex scene, Gina Davis found out that they were going to have a body double for her. Cause that's normally what you do in sex scenes is you have a body double. And right. she, she found out that Brad Pitt wasn't going to use a body double and <gasps> she wanted to have a sex scene with Brad Pitt. So she, she declined a body double. Um, oh, damn. I don't know if I could handle that, man. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, I, I don't think I could either. I mean, it would be pretty hard not to. Um, and also the other weird thing about Gina Davis is that the guy who played Daryl is her real life ex-fiance, Christopher McDonald. They were really. No famous. shit. Yeah. Isn't that so He's weird? He's so great. I love him. He's one of those guys that like is in all those movies. Yeah. Wait. Yes, for sure. Daryl is Thelma's? No. Uh, yes, Thelma's husband who, like, answers the phone. He's like, hey, Thelma. And she hangs up right <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's that's Daryl. Um, amazing. They were, so they were that really is a engaged. great fact. Oh, but it gets better. Because then in the sex okay. scene, when <laughs> he his abs are, like, waxed. And instead of having the makeup artist wax the abs, uh, Ridley Scott himself no. To wax Brad Pitt abs. Yes. Oh my god. Is Ridley Scott gay? I I well, it doesn't matter. It, it Either way, matters. he needed to make them glisten the way they should be glistening. He wanted to be in charge of the glistening, which I don't yeah. him. Um and Can you imagine being Brad Pitt and like just walking around knowing that everyone like he has that knowing gaze. The he's so good when the first time he they like lock eyes and he looks at her and he's like I know that I'm the sexiest person on the planet. Like, you cannot deny me. And that must have been, like, every single person he saw, especially in the 90s. Like, what does that do to your head? It's, like, kind of surprising. I mean, I don't know if he's actually a humble person, but, like, in all of the interviews I watched from around that time, he's, like, so, like, this, like, little stoner hippie. And, like, Michael Madsen, um, who also was so hot in this movie, 
Oh, um, my God. He's my dream team, you must say. Like, he's one that I feel like I could actually get, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, I just have no idea what people are going to think listening to this podcast. Because we're just saying, like, <laughs> yes, she's gorgeous. Brad Pitt is amazing. Much yeah. like, just well, we haven't even gotten into the movie yet. No, I know. We haven't. Okay. Well, fun fact about Michael Madsen, talking about Brad Pitt, he said that Brad Pitt would, like, like in the morning, like walking out of the motel that they were all staying at, Brad Pitt would just be outside smoking a joint and like they would just get stoned together. <laughs> like oh Michael God. Madsen and Brad Pitt and like just like super laid back. Oh, the other thing. OK, this was part like a little excerpt from an interview that I read um, from 1993. So it was after. But it was still, I mean, like he still knew that he was the hottest person alive. He said. Someone was writing about Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt and they said, um, he takes he comes down the metal stairs, taking them two at a time at a big and tall coffee shop in West Hollywood with his construction boots clanging like anvils. He drops his rations on the table, a big gulp Mountain Dew, a pack of gum, several packs of cigarettes. He sucks mm-hmm. on the big gulp, pops a stick of gum in his mouth, lights a cigarette, orders a latte, but a single, he says, taking it slow. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, like I'm a little that's like JD that's JD he's he kind of he's like that he really embodies that character so well I mean it's like it's really great it was a great um movie to get him on the scene (laughs) because it kind of well that's what's interesting about Brad Pitt is like it kind of defined his career and who how we thought of him for a while which was like sex symbol and then he interestingly like throughout the course of his career became an actor who we respected and so I'm excited about this podcast to see when that how that kind of happens. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was like one of the notes that I wrote down actually when I was watching the movie is that I was like trying to, like I'd seen this movie before and I've definitely seen Brad Pitt before. So it's like, yeah, not, um, you know, like if, if, if that was the first time I was seeing Brad Pitt or that movie, I would be like, just like totally like I would dismissive of whether or not he's even giving a good acting performance. And I was trying to, I was trying to focus on, like, is he even acting well right now? Um, And, like, as I was thinking that, I, like, realized I had, like, a big dumb grin on my face. And I was like, I just even, like, I don't care if he's giving a good performance or not. I'm just enjoying watching him on screen, which I guess is, like, what a good performance is. But, like, I was trying to, like. That is his whole role, though. His whole thing in the movie is to be, like, "I, I am eye candy. You want to look at me. You could not blame her. And she's like, <laughs> she like pretends to be a dog. It's so funny. Oh, bless her heart. I mean, yeah. I, I would do that. I would do, yeah, whatever you want, JD. I don't think if I were to run into that character in real life, I would fall over. Genuinely. <laughs> yeah, I would have let him in the car. I'm surprised Thelma was able to, or I'm surprised Louise was able to, you know, hold out. Uh, well, Louise had some fucking... Louis was Louise was having a breakdown the entire time. Very like, <laughs> like totally casually was. breaking. Like the minute she shoots that gun, then like, and Susan Sarandon, what a fucking genius. Her eyes change. Her. Like, she's such a good actress. Like she she had the angst of having just shot someone the entire time. Whereas Gina Davis, kind of plays that puppy, you know. Um, which is a little weird because Gina Davis almost just got raped. I don't know. I feel like there was a really dark undertone to the whole, like, they were having goofy fun the whole time. But, like, there's also this, like, kind of darkness to it where, like, it occasionally gets brought up. And then they're they're just like, oh, yeah. Oh, that. definitely. You know what I mean? Which, and is I love- why it's such, which is why it's such a good movie because you're like, 
you can't help but to put yourself in their shoes, right? And you're like, well, what would I do? Especially because they they kill themselves at the end. And you <laughs> yeah. don't, and you're not upset that they've done that, which I think is a yeah, really masterful true. thing. I think any other movie where you have two protagonists that you love so much who die at the end, you walk out bummed. But they die at the end and you're like, fucking power they to the won. women. Yeah, they won. Like and that is, I, that's charge. masterful. I just yes. think that's so great. And, I, and it resonates with every single person who's watched it. I don't know anybody who doesn't absolutely love the film. It's true. I mean, it's just, and I was also thinking about how it's like, I mean, it's kind of cliche to say, but it is, it is timeless, you know, like it's totally, yeah. it totally holds up and like, doesn't, um, like all of the, you know, subtleties still are completely relevant of like mm-hmm. how, like the relationship between sleazy men and abusive husbands and, you know, oh how, God, especially now. Like yeah, watching that, right? watching that in the shadow of the Me Too movement, I kept thinking the whole time I was like, this is, it's amazing how much time has passed and how that age old story is still legitimately true. And they were, Thelma and Louise was talking about it in a creative way with a male director, male producer, um, but was telling that story. Like these women did this because they were squished by men and, yeah. you know, they were like taken advantage of, they were raped, they were housewives to a cheating husband. It's just like every concept, everything that happens in that movie is propelled by the meanness of men, I felt. And then it was two bitches out there doing it for themselves. Yeah. Um, when they like topple the truck driver, when they blow him up, it's like, so, ah, it's so, so satisfying. satisfying. Like you just, want to do that always like you it's always want to do true. that it's yeah. a dream come can you true. imagine shooting a fucking tanker full of oil yeah which Ooh. uh doesn't actually work but it's listen i was on mythbusters too. <laughs> <laughs> should we explain how we met each other yeah i guess maybe we should i mean it's completely relevant and we always are going to bring it up so <laughs> yeah so michael and i met on mythbusters the tv show all of you people who are listening should know yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And that's the end of the story. And we both worked on <laughs> Mythbusters. And I'm still working on a new spinoff series called Mythbusters Jr. Um, and so, you know, we often are going to talk about how Mythbusters busted. Because Mythbusters, they started to do a lot of reaching for myths. And so it sort of become myth, movie Mythbusters where they just. Yeah. I feel like they actually did bust the myth of shooting a taker full of oil. I, oh, they I did. Genuinely. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely they did. But anyway, as a timepiece, the movie, Thelma and Louise, like, okay, their outfits, it doesn't feel jaded. You know how sometimes you see you see a movie and you're like, oh, this is so outdated, like, it's yeah. horrible to watch. This is a movie that you could, I watched it yesterday for the first time, and it held up as if I was watching it in a theater. It felt sort of like it could have been, it could have replaced three billboards or something. Like, it could have been yeah. played now. It was just a beautifully done piece. And shot on film, which we don't see a lot of things shot on film so much anymore. I mean, people do it, but that grainy quality of the film that they used combined with like the graininess of the desert, also so satisfying for me. I was like, yeah, so fun to watch that I mean, go down. Yeah, and I, uh, I also was thinking that this movie could 
like if it had different music, it could be released today. I think that the only thing that sort of dates it is the music. 100%. Um, because we don't really put music like that in movies anymore. But other than that, like the look of it, and I was just thinking like even watching it, like the way they shot it was like really artistically. Like they didn't just, they didn't just Amazing. like shoot like a basic action movie, which is what most movies were back then, uh, which is actually not fair to say because 100% was amazing too. But, but also female leads, I guess there was some female leads that year, but in general to have two strong, powerful female leads to have every shot. There were so many shots that I was like, Oh my God, you could frame that. It just is really beautifully done. Really well made. Um, what other movies has Ridley Scott made? Uh, well, Aliens. Know. Alien, he made before this. Obviously. Um, I looked at that, actually. He... Oh, Blade Runner. Yeah. Gladiator. So he does these, like, bigger-than-life movies. Sci-fi movies, which... Um, he, did the, he did The Martian. Um, he did Hannibal. Yeah, Okay. Damn, he's done so many movies. We should do a Ridley Scott no. podcast. Because <laughs> then I'm going to have to talk about Blade Runner, and I just don't. I'm just going to say it. I don't like Blade Runner. I haven't seen it. Well, Can't here's what I can tell it, you. Unfortunately. Oh, he did The Assassination of Jesse James. We're going to get there one day. I haven't seen Great it. Great movie. But it's, what is interesting is that this IMDb says he's known for The Martian, Thelma and Louise, Gladiator, and Alien. They don't even mention Blade Runner, which is, I think some people would yeah. consider that blasphemy because Blade Runner fans are big fans. But that's the thing. I think it, it, it was like a sleeper hit. It was like people who like Blade Runner like Blade Runner, but it wasn't um, like a national treasure like this one. I mean, again, I'll, I've said it three times already, but I'll say it again. This movie is perfectly made. I can't think of something that I didn't like about it. There's a couple of continuity <laughs> things, also, but I like, just want to also reiterate... <laughs> Brad Pitt is so hot in this. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so hot. Hottest thing you've ever seen in your life. But it's genuinely true. It's the takeaway. I literally texted you and said, this is, it's uncomfortable yeah. how hot he is. And like to set the stage of our podcast and to set the stage of his career, to have it start out, is just like literally there's nothing you can say about him other than that. He is fucking hot, and he's good at acting like he's hot. And it's like, is it even acting? Because it's just who he is. How old was he in 1991? Do we know? 26 or 27. Okay. And also, interesting fun fact, he was dating a 17-year-old Juliette Lewis, who co-starred with him in Too Young to Die the year before. She was... Oh, my God. She was 16 when they started dating, and he was 26. That is, I didn't realize he's so much older than her. But like, couple of the <laughs> 90s <laughs> dream. It's true. I mean, can you imagine being Juliette Lewis? Can you imagine dating Brad Pitt? I yeah, mean, I can. Matter of fact, yes, I can. That's a good one. So this is his first celebrity relationship. It's Juliette Lewis. So we need to. We're gonna have to have. Well. A relationship. Yeah, for sure. Moment. But we're going to have to... I think we need to watch Too Young to Die first. Um, because that's what yeah. they did together. It might be interesting to do Too Young to Die next. Okay. Yeah. Because... Well, because 
Yeah, because we did. We're doing Thelma and Louise because it was the, his first like mainstream hit. But we should see him trying to act as not just a sexy human. Yeah, being. I mean, that's no, totally. Like that's what I want to see. I want to see him develop as an actor because he start like he wasn't a like he's an actor in that he's the person you put on camera. But like he didn't need to be good at it. He just needed to be hot and like have hot like mannerisms, you know. Which is exactly. which is acting, but like, it's a lot. Of it's just show. that little smirk, that little smirk that he does, <laughs> and he does it in a lot of I movies. Know. But he has a particularly Brad Pitt smirk, which is like, "You want to fuck me? There's no yep. denying it. I'm the hottest thing you've seen, and that's not douchey. That's just like a fact." He does. He uses that smirk in almost every movie. It's true, and it's also you're right. It's not douchey. It's like a. Like, look, I know this is a big deal for you. And yeah. But I'm, I'm just going to let you go it. ahead and enjoy this and drink it in. And I'm just going to say. But it's also like, things. I also think you're kind of hot. You know, he's yeah. got that. Like, I also could maybe be into you. Which it's is, like, and you got a chance. <laughs> yeah. You got a little bit of a chance, which is why it's not douchey. And you're like, yes, Brad Pitt, maybe I do have a little bit of a chance. And then you're like, you're like, no, I'm going to play coy and maybe I'll see you later. And he's like, all right, bye. And you never see him again. And you're like, oh, well. But you think about him for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> the exactly. one that got away. Exactly. Um, God, okay. I don't ever want him to die. But can you imagine if he died right after this role, he would be immortalized? He'd be immortalized. I mean, either way, he'll be immortalized. He, has he ever won an Oscar? Uh, I don't think he has. Yes, he has. For, but it wasn't an acting Oscar. He won for 12 Years a Slave because he was a producer on that. That's right. That's right. You're right. Um, you're right about that because he has a production company, which we'll get into when that starts to develop in his life. By the way, yeah. the other movie that was in the theaters when Thelma and Louise came out is What About Bob? Oh, my God. Oh, my Remember God. that movie? <laughs> what a goddamn year for movies. Yeah. And like two months earlier was Signs of the Lambs and then like two months later was Terminator. So. Wow. A little five-year-old me was hanging out in Sherman Oaks. Uh-huh. I remember seeing Brad Pitt on the cover of my mom's people magazines my mom always had um, tabloids she still does to this day and as a matter of fact i was walking through the grocery store today and he's on the cover and i was like this is a sign this is insane he will not go away and he'll never go away i mean he's still you could still put him on the cover of a a magazine and he still will make you money i mean i think that's why we are here for this it's gonna be fucking kick-ass because there's just he is a culturally significant person because yeah. he's an, he's respected. He's a sex icon. He's like, he's talented. He's literally never gone away. Yeah. And he's just like a talented, like actor and like, like yeah. creator. Like he is been in the business for so long now. He's good at identifying like something that's going to be worth making. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so like, that's, you know, that, and that's sort of probably why he made that production company. Sorry. I was also trying, I just realized that we're going to, at some point have to watch Sinbad because he's, he's the lead in Sinbad. I was just about to say, we have such a fun journey on our hands, Michael, because I mix, this one is a smash ballpark fucking Thelma and Louise is great. Go fucking see it. Everybody should see it. Everybody who has seen it loves it. But we're going to get into some real garbage. And I yes. cannot wait 
Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, we're going to see some. Like, also, after Thumb and Louise, there's a movie called Johnny Swade, and Brad Pitt plays <laughs> none other than Johnny Swade. And I, <laughs> I can't wait for Johnny Swade. I don't even know what it is, but I'm really excited for it. Also in 1991. So he's like coming hot off Thumb and Louise, living his yeah. dream, and then he's in Johnny Swade. And I have no idea what it is, which may be a. Maybe just that I'm like uneducated on my 90s film history, and it might be that it sucks. I've never heard of Johnny Swade. But I think we need to give the shitty sh- stuff due course. Yeah, just as much. In I this mean, pod course. We're not just here to celebrate Brad Pitt. We're here to talk Again, about. want to make it clear. We're not just fans of Brad Pitt. Look, <laughs> we're not diehards. <laughs> we're not a part of the fan club. I'm part of the I Will Have Sex With Brad Pitt fan club. I'm part of that 100%. Club. And I respect him. I'm a part of the Brad Pitt Respect Club. (laughs) (laughs) The Brad Pitt Respect Club is not nearly as fun as the other club that I'm in. Oh, my God. Can you believe that is the funnest club there ever is? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So what else is there to talk about with Thelma and Louise? What else you got? Um, uh, Gosh, I don't know. Okay. Well, should we talk about um, Thelma's floral robe that she sports at the very beginning? Because I love that. Oh, my God. I was just about to say all of the clothes. The fucking denim bodice on the white dress. Yep. The, the jewels. I love how... The boobs. I just love how they start out so, like, girly, and then they just get fucking... And they do that intentionally with, with Louise. Like, she's like, all right, I'm, like, taking off my jewelry. She's like... She defems consciously throughout the whole thing, which I loved. Oh, wow. I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. You're right. She, like, rips her jeans and ties it around her neck, and she, like, takes off. Because I was like, why is she taking off her jewelry? Like, she's like, I'm not going to be a woman anymore. Like, I'm taking the power back. I'm taking the control back. I'm not going to be defined by my gender. So true. It's so true. And um, for, I also just want to say, I'm sorry for screaming. It's because I have these really, <laughs> like, really good I'm screaming, too. I'm also headphones. screaming. I couldn't be farther away from the microphone. <laughs> I have these strong headphones and it's just, I can't hear myself talk at all, but I hear you loud and clear. And so I'm trying yeah, to talk great. over you. Can't wait to listen to and this. I'm screaming into this little microphone. Everybody who listens to this podcast is just going to hold their headphones outside of their head. <laughs> yeah, it's going it's to be on level one volume. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but this okay. is our first one. Yeah, we're still learning. Oh, you know what was a great moment that I was not expecting when the fucking Rasta drives by the police car who's stuck in the trunk and he blows the fucking smoke. And it's like they didn't need to give us that little gem, but they did. And I appreciated it, (laughs) you know, and I was like, fuck yeah. It just drives home the idea that this movie is a movie for people who are outsiders to what normally is in movies. And we're used to you know, seeing white men as the, the protagonist and yeah, this time it's white women. And like, as soon as you see that cyclist who is a black man holding a doobie, which I mean, that's not really what happens usually, I think, but it's okay. Like in the middle of nowhere in the desert. And he was so random, like the tightest biking uniform. Yeah. So strange and so random and so unrealistic, but it doesn't matter because you're just like, Oh, he's not going to help him. Or, I genuinely, like, I get behind that. Well, he did eventually help him. He must have. Because they how did they find him otherwise? Someone else came along. A white cyclist like he, came along. I, a white cyclist came along? Yeah. <laughs> that guy was like, fuck you, you put me down too. I mean, it's it was interesting. That's an interesting point to make. Like the gender thing 
at the, to watch that movie now, mm-hmm. it speaks to the like suppression. Like that was like a big fuck you. You don't treat me well. I'm not going to treat you well. I'm a black person. You're a white cop. And then you've got the women um, who have obviously been running away from evil men this whole time. Yep. Men are the bad guys. And the only other women, the only other woman that I can think of who's in it is the one who's like, they would never, they would never have done that at the beginning after she shoots the guy. Oh yeah. She's like, yeah. The waitress. And she also, it was like also we were kind of on her side because she said – remember she was like um, – oh, what did he say to her? He said, oh, what, you know, I guess you're a professional on psychology now, huh? And she's like, look, if being a waitress doesn't make you a professional on psychology, I don't know what is. And like oh, she, dream. She got, she got the last line and she got the little zinger. So like, like we're still meant to identify with her even though she's like this super small bit. You know, it's still like a man is telling her like she can't and she's telling exactly. you, oh, fuck off. Yes, I can. That happens in every scene where there's a man. They're saying no and they're saying yes. Like it is it's really remarkable how squeamish that makes me feel when I talk about it that way. Like squeamish in a good way. Squeamish in a way of like, no fucking wonder they drove off a cliff. Like they're being <laughs> smushed. Like it's like. It's crazy. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think that the way, the way that Thelma like found herself and was like giddy and joyful and was like, and then the way that Louise, so like, hold on. Thelma starts out very girly, very like timid, diminutive. Right. And Louise starts out like, oh, girl, we're going to go. We're going to do this thing. And then they sort of like who they morph into at the end is like Thelma's like gone off her goddamn rocker. She is off the rails. loved what Thelma turned into. Yes. It's joyful to watch her. I mean, they both go fucking crazy. I mean, she's she you know what it was? She absorbed the swag and smoothness of J.D., Brad Pitt. hundred percent. She needs that girl needed to get fucked and fucked right. And the minute she did, she was like, <laughs> she's no, like, all bets are off. Here I am. This is who I yeah. really am. And she was so good at it. Like she just, so she good. did the, she said his exact little mantra, which is also adorable, by the way, everyone's oh got to keep their cool. Everyone's got to, what is it like? Um, keep their head or else someone's going to lose their head. Yeah. Or something like that. I forget what it is. I can't remember it now. But yeah. I'm completely well, butchering. But you know what I mean. With a toe tag. Yeah. Something and with a toe tag. And then she does it word for word, and she's so cute. I just really love her. Yeah. She she does it word for word, and the way she talks to that police officer, I'm gonna need you to put that down. It's just so good. It's just she yeah. just is so in control, and it's it's kind of actually also there's like a complete shift. Like once she got fucked, she. Yeah. <laughs> That's she, what I'm saying. Like the whole time you think – like you're thinking of Louise, Susan Sarandon, who is just, just this like embodies like this like powerful woman who doesn't put up with anybody's yeah. shit. Like, and she's handled the, it all. Yes. Yeah. She's, she's seen it all. She can do it all. And then all of a sudden Thelma is now like kind of the one with – who's keeping her cool. And like you, Louise, you're like, Louise, are you – 
are you okay, girl? Because this does like it seems like you. That's what on. I was trying to say earlier. Like yeah. Susan Sarandon puts this look behind her eye where it's like she could fucking snap at any moment. You don't know, <laughs> but not what's gonna go way. on. But it's amazing because at the beginning, Louise is like, "I'll take care of you, Thelma. Thelma, I'll take care of you." And then at the end, yeah, exactly. Thelma is like, don't worry, I got this. Like, the minute Thelma was like, I fucked up and Brad Pitt stole all my money, yep. she was like, I will take it from here. And she did. And, like, she – and, like, Louise started to be like, oh, no, I actually – maybe I don't have a, any idea what I'm doing or any plan. But Right. And then they found – and then it's just, that's the story of fucking sisterhood. It's like they fucking supported each other. They never once – like, as a woman with really close female friends – that support is like, that bitch just shot someone. <laughs> and she's like, I got you. We're, We're going to run fun. away. Yeah. yeah. And it's like kind of sweet. And like, oh, man, I just I just wonder, like, Thelma really needed that. She really needed that she whole needed trip. She needed to feel empowered. She needed to feel. Well, that's an interesting thing, too. It's like she needed the male gaze. She needed the male she needed something from a man in order to feel better about herself in a movie about men oppressing women. I don't know. If she needed something, something interesting from a man. There. I think she just she needed to take something for herself. Like she kind okay, of yeah. took charge of her sexuality. Like she. Took you're it right. Back. I think you're right. Yeah, she. She yeah, she did something that she wanted to do for herself, and it gave yeah. her the empowerment. Because it's like that feeling of like, oh, I can't like, you know, like oh, I. I shouldn't because of her Daryl, like, Oh, Daryl, Daryl, Daryl. Like, you know, Oh, I, I have a husband. His, his, I have Daryl, you know? And like, yeah. not really letting herself just go. And by doing that, she like, she was like, Oh, I'm a, a person. <laughs> like I'm, yeah, a, I'm person. a person who has my own free will. And that is something that happens in so many relationships. It's crazy. Like I've been in relationships like that. Relationships in general can get very like that. Um, and I just love the disintegration of Daryl too. I mean, there are some wacky looks on his face. (laughs) It's like, why did we need to see him step in pizza? (laughs) (laughs) There's like so Uh, many little like bits about Daryl where it's like, what is going on here? Daryl's life is completely. And he's like, ah, he's like, Yeah, he's, he's really falling apart. Yeah. And I will say the one frustrating thing, if there was one thing that bugged me about the movie, it's just like, fucking Louise, go through Texas. Drive through Texas oh, and get I to know. Mexico and call the whole movie off, you know? Yeah. Because they would have made it to Mexico had they just driven through Texas. I mean, yeah, like, just close your eyes or something. I don't know. Yeah, suck it up. Bitch. Suck <laughs> it up, <laughs> Do you need to meet, go find JD for a night and take your thing back? No, that's, that's insensitive. Um, <laughs> she, she didn't bone her man. You'll notice. No, she didn't. They slept and they slept clothed. She didn't. Well, I loved I think him. he was a little bit of the doghouse too. I loved him, but he seemed like questionable. Uh, yeah, he never committed to her until she ran away. Classic fucking male behavior. <laughs> I mean, honestly, all of these men in this movie are these perfect tropes, like male tropes. You've got the like cop who's really good at his job, but he like 
but he cares about the women. He was like, protect them, protect them, these like little precious things. And then you've got like the cheating husband, Dick. And then you've got the sex symbol. And then you've got the man who like fucking is wishy-washy and doesn't know what he wants. And you also have a man named Harlan with slick back hair and handsome and friendly and white who is charming as hell, um, but is also secretly a rapist because um, he doesn't want to be nice to women. Yes. And that's a trope, too. And then you have the truck driver. You have the truck driver who's just an overt pervert. Just an overt pervert, which is, you know, bummer for truck drivers because there's a lot of decent, hardworking truck drivers out there. Yeah. I think it's like the most, I think it's the number one job in the country for men. For men. Really? Yeah. And it's really crazy. I was reading this article because, yeah, it's one of the biggest. I think it's like, yeah, I think it is. Um, and then I was reading about the Tesla semi self-automated trucks. It's going to cut all of those jobs. And it's a really interesting, that's a sidebar conversation, but really fascinating. Singularity talk. Singularity is happening. Well, also there's a shortage of truck drivers. Like nobody wants to be a truck driver because it sucks. (laughs) It really sucks. Life on the road. I mean, the hours are horrible. You're always on the road. And, like, you're carrying precious cargo, and they, like, want you to go so fast. But there's so many rules. Yeah. Uh, It's really a sidebar. But it's truck driver is not an easy job. And not a lot of people want to do it. But, like, we need it so bad. (laughs) And then they're on the road, and they never get laid. And so all of a sudden, they become these sex-crazed maniacs like that motherfucker. (laughs) And, yeah. like, why did they always run into him? Why were they riding on the same roads? Like, ladies, get off the <laughs> fucking path. You shouldn't be running into him all the time. I mean, if you, if, like, I've done that. Like, you've never, like, I've been on road trips where, like, I Oh, 100%. Going by but they're the not on truck. a, they're not on a, but they are escaping. I will say, though, that movie made me want to hit the open road in the desert so I mean, bad. And, oh, like, perfectly funny. styled just like them. In the denim with the big silver belts. Uh, I want to drive that car, too. Like that Thunderbird. Was it supposed to be set in 1991? <laughs> I think it was just set in current times, but it was 1991. Yeah. And they just drove a car from the 1960s that drove perfectly. You know, I just love movies that are like in like the desert kind of area because they always are like the period is always questionable. You know, yeah. like even like I always say, like I always use Napoleon Dynamite as a reference because it's like a little hard to tell when that movie is supposed to take place. Like he's using a computer totally. and it's an old ass. But he has computer. those high waisted jeans. But he has high waisted jeans. So it could be mid 90s, but it also could be that they're just really outdated and it's 2004. You know, it's like it's hard. Well, to with tell. Napoleon Dynamite, he's like such a weirdo that he could have just been. That's an interesting one. But now I'm remembering that at the beginning, when um, Thelma's husband gets into his Porsche, it's like the 1990-est Porsche of all time. <laughs> I know. And, he's, and he, like, <laughs> fully falls on his butt on the wood. Like, the most and he's, uh, he's such a little fucking dick, and you hate him. Hate him I don't really hate anybody else in that movie. Even the sex-crazed truck driver, I'm sort of like... I hate the rapist. He got his due... I hate the fucking rapist. I mean, and you know, I had never seen that movie before. And the minute he walks up, you're like, this guy's a rapist. trouble. Well, that's the thing is his name's Harlan, which no offense to his name Harlan, <laughs> but he's Harlan and he has slick back hair and he's handsome and friendly and white. And you're, it's just like, he screams, Duh. don't trust. Yeah. Um, and that's the other thing. 
again, she was like, I don't, Louise is like, I don't trust him. She's like, but girl, I support you. Like, get out of, out of the, t- the talons of your husband. We're going to have fun. Yeah. And she had like that, you know, spidey sense where she's like, where's my girl? Like, and she found her. Found her. Ugh. And what did he say to her before he shot you fucking bitch or something? No, that was the truck driver. The truck driver was like, fuck. Oh, my God. That was so funny. (laughs) Yeah. And then he's like running around in circles, just screaming, you fucking bitches. You fucking (laughs) bitches. He's crazy. So great. And he was like such a cartoony character, too. Just like a. Oh, my God. Like I wasn't even I didn't even hate him. I was just like, you're just a real weird, sad person. I just loved it, too. There were all those shots that like now would be shot on drone, but were then clearly shot on. Like through helicopters, and like oh, it's just beautiful, sweeping, every frame stunning. Walk away with a happy feeling, and puts Brad Pitt on the scene. Puts him He's, on the map. Like, he sets the stage. He sets this movie is a great way to set the stage for what is it seventy four movies? Something like that. Yeah. Okay, so Chelsea, um, I have a question for you. Yeah, shoot, Michael. Tell me about how you feel about this movie. Let's get, let's do some ratings. Let's rate a few things in this movie. Okay, I would rate the overall movie as a ten out of ten. I genuinely 10? think it's nine out of ten. <laughs> I genuinely think it's a perfect movie. It's a great film. Feel good the whole time. Actually, yeah. I'll bring it down to an eight because it is a little bit long. I'm going to give it an eight too because of the music. Like I get the music worked at the time, but like, I think that changing the music would actually for me, make it a little more, a little less like campy. Um, but it was campy at the time, but it holds up. Um, I think, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't have a problem because I was just like, it put me so much in that time. Then we have a few, we have to rate Brad Pitt on his looks, which is obviously 10 out of 10. (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, there's a few things there because we got to rate his hair because his hair. Oof. I mean. Oh my God, his hair is a whole sidebar of this podcast that will grow and change yes, throughout. Just like hair. Um, I have. <laughs> you know what? Just like hair. Exactly yes. right. <laughs> yep. Um, um, in this movie, he was wearing a hat a lot, and when he wasn't, his hair was wet, which is hot. So I'm giving him <laughs> like a. It's like an eight for hair for him. It's a good hair time. Great hair time. Yeah, I would also give him an eight. Yeah, but it's like kind of... Like cowboy long. Yeah, I mean, he goes long and some other... I'm going to give him a seven just so that there's room because this is our first one. We have a lot of hair to get through. (laughs) Okay. You know? Yeah. I hate when they do that like in ice skating though because I'm like, if someone gave a good performance, give them a good score. Don't like hold out. Yeah, but you know what? I don't know if I am wild about the okay. long hair. You know, it, hey. I think it's a seven. It's a seven. In the you. scope of his hair, I think he's a seven. And then acting. Um, okay, acting. So this is what I was having a hard time because I was trying to um, find out, like trying to figure out, like, is he actually giving a good acting performance? I couldn't. I couldn't. Like, That's because what even he's good? supposed to be is... I'll tell you what, he did the job he was supposed to do and he did it fucking well. Yeah. Which is that he was a sexual, manexual to the <laughs> intellectual. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give him. So. You go ahead. I'm going to give yours. it. That is a tough one. I'm going to, I'm going to give him. 
I'm going to give him a 10. I think I'm going to give him a 10 too. I'm going to give him a 10 because there's nothing. You know what? I'm going to give him a 9 because I kept focusing on his accent and I don't know if it was because I knew he was faking it. But I was just watching him going like, wow, look at you just really acting right now. You're just fully acting. And I know. I'm so just proud. acting around town. Just acting while all being up and down this block. The hot, just being the hottest thing and acting. And I think that's an interesting statement that we both felt that way because I think the whole world, when he actually did do a job where you're like, oh, he was he acted well in that role, we're like, oh, he actually it's not just like hot guy pretending to act, he's like actually becomes a really great actor. So we'll see yes. how that goes. Yes, exactly. And so, like, I feel like giving him a 10 or a 9 right now is, like, like you're right. Like, it's this isn't a big acting role. Like, it wasn't particularly... He wasn't... Right. He wasn't fucking Schindler's List. He was... Did no, but as what far he as set like, out to do. Yes, he did what he set out to do. And he did it so well that it propelled him into insane stardom. So... Yeah, but... Ooh. Yeah. I'm, good. I'm yeah, happy no. with a 9. Okay. 9. Great. Nine. Okay, that's episode one, Thelma and Louise. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please subscribe. It will keep getting better from here, I promise. Our next episode next week, we'll be watching Too Young to Die, featuring a young Juliette Lewis and a young Bradley Pitt. It's the movie in which they met and they fell in love. And it does have a question mark on the end of it sometimes. Too Young to Die? Yeah. You can watch the entire thing on YouTube, which is great. You don't have to pay a cent for it. Quality could leaves a little bit to be desired, but... Tune into that and then tune into the pod next week. Yeah. Um, and don't forget to follow us on all of our social media accounts so you can tell us what you think. Um, our Twitter is at the Pits Pod and our Instagram is at This Is The Pits Pod. Um, so, yeah, follow us, give us some feedback. I'd love to hear what you guys think. See you next week. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya.